Welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only home in existence for Oregon State men's basketball. And today it is a beautiful, warm, loving home. I'm your host, Andy, and as always, I'm here with my friend, Sam. How's it going today, Andy? You've been having a good Sunday? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Pretty relaxing. Just some some chores here and there. What about yourself? You know, it's it's been a day of recovery uh, for me more than anything else in, in the past four days. I, and it, as Oregon State men's basketball fans, we're used to brutal lows and, uh, you know, euphoric highs. But to to have them, two of them so close together like that threw me off even. It, it really knocked me off my feet almost a little bit. This week was an emotional roller coaster. If you didn't check in, Oregon State uh, suffered the second <laughs> worst loss of the Tinkle tenure uh, against Arizona on Thursday, losing ninety-eight to sixty-four. But then bounced back with probably the be- easily the best win of the season, maybe the best win. I don't know. If we can't call it a program defining win at all. We're getting carried away, but definitely the best win of the season over Arizona State. 80 to 79 on a Saturday. Huge win. Huge win. Feeling good. Forgetting about the Arizona game as I'm even mentioning it. Oh, I, yeah, right. I mean, it, it makes it so easy and to, to kind of laugh about now and almost in a way be proud of because you're right. A program defining win is perhaps a bit silly, but I would, I would maybe go as far as to call it an identity defining win. Mm-hmm. For this particular team, it's definitely a uh, a season saving win. Like I say that, like if we'd that the last Arizona was so brutal, and we'll break it all down, but it was so brutal and tough that I think if we'd come out and lost again to Arizona State, that it, the season really goes off the rails, and it's hard to kind of get players back. But when you have this type of win, I think it's a good buy in moment, and I do think, like you said. It's a win you can kind of build an identity off of. Um, we'll break that down, do some Ken Pom ponderings, and look at a couple of the games upcoming this week. But first, as always, let's do the Oregon State fight song. Get loud for it this time. <laughs> There's just more oomph in the symbols after a win like that. Oh my gosh, I was humming it all day. The Arizona State game, we cannot. I, I can't wait to get into it. Should we talk about it first, or should we? Should we do the the tough thing and go over the Arizona loss? Let's get the Arizona game out of the way. All right, good call. Let's get the Arizona game out of the way. All right, so like we said on Thursday, Arizona um, played Oregon State and they won ninety eight to 64 it was like i said the second worst loss of the tinkle tenure arizona jumped out to a 15 to 0 lead and really never looked back uh sam what do you think about the game what 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 stood out to you i initially i i think in my head i conceded that game when it was 7 to 0 and i kind of probably knew at 5-0 they 
my thing with the Arizona game is just like I don't know how much of a pass to give anybody for it. They had the staff, the full staff back. Um, they had Silva back, which will give him his own little segment here in a little while. But oh, so they, they weren't missing anybody. They were clearly very rusty. They had been practicing with five guys together, Max, and everyone was like doing individual stuff. Yeah, I think they had two practices is what they said before the Arizona game coming off. Because the Beavers, uh, for if people don't know, were on a COVID pause. Uh, do, following protocol, as I understand it, I don't know that anybody – or okay, I, I take that back. Isaiah Johnson wasn't available for that game. So right. maybe someone caught it. Maybe it's it's just a contact tracing thing. We don't really know. They're pretty vague about it. Mm-hmm. But the point is, they came into this hell. Like, I know that they were rusty and hadn't been preparing the way you'd like to to play a team like Arizona, who's really good. But they spent the first 20 minutes completely almost without a single exception, looking like they hadn't played basketball in a year. It, yeah, they didn't look good. And Arizona was really fired up. It was going to be, I think it was going to be an either or game for them because their season is pretty much done for if people don't know on December 30th, like right before the new year's Arizona self banned from the NCAA tournament this year. So these kids don't have anything to play for. They um, got swept in the LA schools uh, last week. They lost one of their uh, kind of veteran players to a broken wrist. He's out for the season. One of their guards, their normal starting guards, they had new lineup. Uh, Sean Miller just been ripping them after their uh, LA series. So it was one of those games where it was like this Arizona team's either going to quit or it's going to be a complete 180 and they're going to play their minds or play like out of their minds. And it was really, to me, it was that like Arizona took it. Yeah, they, it was the perfect storm, kind of. They had a, a look-in-the-mirror type week where they were practicing hard very clearly, and they seem motivated to win the rest of their games and make, not to be too cliche, but make that statement. And they were did. the Beavers were, even under more regular circumstances, probably would have been in trouble. Uh, it seemed like, in my head, they gave up a dunk or a layup every single possession of the first half they were yeah the arizona was out rebounding them a ton they were going to the glass doing whatever they wanted and it was type of game where you got a little worried about the backboards because arizona was blocking beaver shots so hard off them you're like oh my gosh i can leave a dent like they had so many pin from behind blocks on the backboard they're they were a different level of athlete than anyone on our team including i would say even warreth yeah, Warreth looked kind of pedestrian and a little bit small against them. And he did have some some big moments that he had right. a shot or a, a jump ball that was impressive. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to list all the positives from it because there's no need to do that. But yeah, it was it was as bad as it's been in a long time. I'm not going to call it the worst Beaver game I've ever watched because it's not, unfortunately. <laughs> it's but. It, up there like the fact that it crept into my mind meant that it was really atrocious and uh the, the center of that no pun intended was roman silva was as overmatched as i've ever seen someone yeah they've got good post players at arizona they were um they were really working our beavers down low and it didn't help that andela was hurt that we sit we somehow it feels like we went from having nothing but post players to now that we're in the pac 12 no post players. 
Yeah, Wayne Tinkle even put um, Barnes, the walk-on, in a little bit. Right. He also got a couple minutes against Cal, so he's mm-hmm. even creeping into almost being an option. But uh, I, I, I don't want to – Wayne Tinkle had a comment that I respect. He says, "Don't you can bash me, don't bash my guys. Well, okay, Coach Tinkle, I won't bash your 7-2 center who in that game did not score, I don't believe grabbed a rebound. If he did, it was it was less than three in playing almost half the game. And at one point, it just looked like he was getting punished for still, like the only reason he was still in was to get embarrassed. He had uh, one rebound, two blocks, five fouls in 10 minutes, two turnovers. It, it, okay, the fact that it was 10 minutes shocks me because it felt like he played an eternity <laughs> because his minutes were just so brutal and i i they don't do you, you don't have a plus minus for him in that game do you um i don't think so no i don't it would have been shocking like if he had played 40 minutes they would have lost by around 50 in my opinion he I don't know. He's on a minutes restriction, whatever that means. <laughs> the Arizona State game, we'll get to it. One, well, one last thing I want to say is I did – the Arizona team has been my pick to win the Pac-12 all year, and it hasn't looked necessarily great, especially when they got swept by the LA schools. But I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I just got to say shout-out to Sean Miller and his international recruiting because it's a real hodgepodge of guys from all over the place that are kind of like making it up. So – the best player on their team to me, and he had his career high in points, so maybe it's just uh, making me biased, but is this guy named Benedict Mahern. And he, he's a pick uh, to me. He looked so good. He's a starter. This was his first ever uh, game he started at Arizona. It was against the Beefs. He went off for 31 points, eight rebounds. He only missed one three. He had a, a sick little uh, plagment or little, I don't know, back-to-back plays where he did a chase down block on Reichel on a layup that you saw coming the entire way. He was just kind of like galloping really smooth and majestic from half court. And you're like, Oh, this guy's going to get it. He pinned it off the backboard and then got it down on the other end of the court, took a jab step and switched to three all within like 10 seconds. So he looked really good, but I just love his backstory that he (laughs) he's Haitian of Haitian descent, but he was born and raised in Montreal. And then he attended the NBA Academy in Latin America would, uh, where he played, uh, which is in Mexico City. So he's just from like all over the world. <laughs> they, didn't, they talked about it on the broadcast a little bit, but not enough to me, especially with such a blowout that that right. game was. Um, yeah, that guy rules. Their their bigs are all, like kind of interchangeably awesome against the Beavers. It doesn't really matter. I remember with like 12 minutes left, Sean Miller put in a kid who hadn't been in yet, who was a freshman from Turkey, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, that dude rules. That guy was <laughs> getting 30 minutes a game for the Beavers. Yeah. If we could take one of any other post players, I did like uh, another little interesting Arizona one, not to get too off traffic on the Beavers, but I loved the Tapoulis twins. Like, is that, is that how you say his name? Tapoulis? Taboli? Yeah. Um, one of them is like 6'11". They're twins. They're freshman twins from Lithuania. But one is 6'11 and starts and is really good. And then I just feel bad for the other twin who's just like 6'6 and just kind of like a normal-looking guy. I mean, he's still obviously tall, but 
it it reminded me of uh, the Heppa brothers at Jefferson High School a couple. Oh of yeah, years. yeah. <laughs> that they there was a second one that yeah was not the same collegiate prospect, but yeah, he didn't come into the game until he directly replaced his brother with like five minutes left. Right. All those guys in too long, by the way. Also, yeah. Sean was really making a point after the uh, LA losses to say we're here. He was right. He was writing it and they still don't even have, I just love that they kept talking. They're like, and we're waiting on Krissa. Just wait for this uh, team to get Krissa. Who's they cut to him. It's like a little white guy. He's like, he's a point guard from Estonia. And Miller's Miller's really looking forward to him. It's, it's not your typical Arizona team. And that's one of the things I think I appreciate most about it. It's kind of funny. I mean, Stanford we talked about is not your typical Stanford team. In a lot of ways, Washington State is different than what you've come to expect from them. Right. It's yeah, it's a, very, it's a diverse Pac-12. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so the, I guess the only positive from it was that they did look a lot better in the second half. I mean, it would be hard to look worse than they looked in the first half. <laughs> They shot uh, 11% from three, 35% from uh, the field, and 0% from the free throw line in the first half. This is the first half, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that they scored 21 points even seems like a lot. <laughs> it, it, they were blessed by Jared Lucas's never-ending confidence to come into that game and think, like, this is perfect, I'm getting my buckets. This is where I really earned a starting spot for next game. Which uh, I think we should transition to talking to. But before we do it, I just want to point out one piece of Beaver bias. This is the headline. This will sum it up. This is the headline from Nick Daschle, uh, the Oregonian reporter on the Beavers lost Arizona. This is the headline for the article. Selfish? Lacking fight? Physically weak? Oregon State with all that and more in 98-64 men's basketball loss to Arizona. So uh, just sit with that, Beaver fans. Yeah, Nick Daschle kind of taken on the role of the grumpy, the grumpy coach a little bit there, like really not letting them off the hook for any of that at all. He's going full Canzano on us. He's trying to make his. He's trying to appeal to the Duck fans by attacking the Beaver base, which is smart. If you're gonna, you need to play to your bases. If politics is tossing anything right now, so you got to play to your bases. And there's not much of a Beaver base, but there's plenty of ducks to go around. He's trying to conjure up some duck hate on Twitter because you know, engagement is engagement, and I don't, I don't hate it honestly. <laughs> is he really? He's, yeah. he's talking trash the ducks. We're trying. We're all doing our best with what we've been given, and yeah, I mean that we're still talking about this era. That we didn't know what was going to happen two days later. That's true. So moving on, a uh, huge. Huge win, like we were talking about. Maybe not a program-defining win, but an identity-defining win for sure. Oregon State beat Arizona State 80-79 to on Sunday on a game-winning dunk by Warth. Shout-out to the Warth watch. It was worth it. Uh, Sam, what are your notes on this huge game? Uh, what I'll remember most is how well Ethan Thompson played in the second half by halftime. I was thrilled with where they were at halftime, especially because he didn't look good at all. And he, he continued to shoot the way he was shooting against Arizona, where you could kind of tell it wasn't going to go in as soon as it left his hand almost. His shots just have not been looking good. And he took over and had a great game. And uh, to me, he was the difference. Reichel was very much Zach Reichel. He had his 11 points. He hit shots at big times. Um yeah, having Andela was probably the third huge factor. 
Yeah, having him fight through uh, his turf toe injury, he ended up with like nine points, six rebounds. It was he, which were which were pretty big. He was second on the team in rebounding. Yeah, Arizona State. The, like the difference between, and I'm embarrassed uh, because in our last episode, I think I picked them <laughs> definitely top two, but I think I had them in the top spot. Well, they to start. That's why it's such a big win is because this is a team that was ranked. I have it written down. Let me look at it really quick. 18th in the AP preseason poll. So 18th in the country. So because Arizona State, they have Jacob Christopher, who's a five-star, potential one and done. They have Marvin Bagley's little brother, five-star, potential one and done. They have Remy Martin, who a lot of people thought would, would possibly be Pac-12 player of the year this year. They got, there's a lot of talent on this Arizona State team. And they've been without a lot of those guys lately, which is part of the reason I assume that their record is pretty mediocre. It's the same as the Beavers, if I'm not mistaken, or even yeah, worse. I think. Oh. Yeah, I'd have to look. It, I'll look it up really quick. But yeah, they're they were hadn't played together. This was their first game essentially all together in a month because of different uh, COVID protocols. Remy Martin's grandfather, who he was really close to, who I guess he's like named after his his grandfather was also named Remy. He passed away from COVID and Remy went to his funeral and had to miss a couple of games. They had some injuries. Uh, Bagley's been out injured uh, with, I believe it was like an ankle thing. Maybe it was a shoulder. Verge uh, missed some time too, right? A yeah, Verge missed some time too. Tayshawn Cherry, we should say he wasn't available. He's still in the COVID protocols. But um, yeah, they haven't been having the ideal season, but this was essentially their first game back full to health, which did not bode well for the Beavers at the start. I was really worried. I was really worried that this was going to be – a blowout or not a blowout, but just a loss on top of what had already happened before to see the bounce back was super impressive. I think where I'm at is that if the Beavers are going to play and we'll talk about USC in just a second too, but if they're going to play an athletic team like USC or Arizona, who's really big, they're probably in trouble, but teams right. really good guard play who aren't as big up front or not as talented um, close to the basket, they they'll probably have a shot against most of those teams because Arizona State's thing is guard play. Um, that white guy Osland or whatever, they're post yeah. undersized, and he is an all right player. He had a good game, but he he doesn't present the same problems that that all Arizona's bigs do. He had a great game for him. He he had his career high in points and rebounds, I believe. Um, yeah, well. But he, uh, but yeah, he's a little undersized, or at least he's just like he's, or not to say he's undersized, but he's just one post player. Um, so they really, it's not like Arizona where it's just big after big after big after big. You know, once he was out, they kind of didn't have anything to go to, so you could spread him around a little bit. And because of that, Alatiche and Andela combined for 14 rebounds, and and they were, ha- they, I, they did out rebound them, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Oregon State, Arizona State played better in pretty much all categories except for three-point shooting and rebounding. That's where Oregon State really hung its hat. Uh, We should give a shout-out on three-point shooting to uh, Jared Lucas was really the reason we stated in the first half. Everyone was cold except for Lucas, who in his first career start uh, responded with 15 points, uh, four for five from three, and a three with uh, three free throws. He's playing himself into the second-team all-conference discussion to me. He's he's people and people like him too. They like his game. They understand it a little bit better. It's, I think it's a little easier to sell to media voters than uh, Ethan Thompson's game, where that's like a little bit of a jack of all trades. You got to kind of watch the game to appreciate it. With Jared Lucas, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get amazing free throw percentage. You're going to get just 
three after three after three. And I think it's going to catch on a little bit. He's right now he's averaging 12 points a game. And until he started, he was in the running for six man of the year. I don't know if he'll keep starting and lose his eligibility for that or what the plan is going forward. Yeah. I don't know how that works necessarily for six man. Cause I know you can start a couple games. I would love to see him. If I'm honest, keep him in the starting lineup. He really is such a shot hunter and the Oregon state offense. It seems to me, especially at the start of games has trouble getting going early and he's just good at finding his own shot. You can kind of play through him, especially against teams where maybe there's a little bit of shell shock because there's like some super studs on the other side. He's never worried. He's never intimidated. He thinks he can get a shot off against anybody, and he will shoot against anybody at any time. And, yeah, he'll he'll pull from 35 feet. If, the, if teams are doing a good job, he'll just shoot from deeper and deeper. And Yeah, he doesn't care. I think he enjoys playing with Reichel and Thompson because it's two guys who are both – good passers they've both been the Pac-12 leader and assists at different points this season and they they do a good job of getting into the paint and pulling his man away from him just enough because he doesn't need a ton of space yeah and he does a really nice job of moving without the ball he's always kind of jogging around it's not like he's just standing in one spot and to be fair a lot of times he does run straight to the ball (laughs) hands like he's Damian Lillard which yeah uh, Wayne probably gets him taken out of games because we've all seen Wayne be a little bit bullish about someone doing something he doesn't like and right. taken out for it. Yeah, I think Lucas is earning the trust, though. He's starting to really uh, get a lot of minutes consistently, um, which is good. I don't know. It's good to see. He was my favorite player to start the year off, and he's getting back into that. I kind of I kind of fell for Worth, and I love Worth's game a lot, but Lucas is right there for me, too. Yeah, Worth, uh, as he did get his eight rebounds, he obviously had the biggest basket in the game, the dunk with four seconds left, but he was a little frustrating at times. He doesn't have a lot of touch around the rim, and, and Lucas's shot is just so pretty. Uh, yeah, that guy rules. If you're not on Team Jared Lucas at this point, you're just being difficult. Yeah, it's true. You're being obstinate. Stop it. The uh, Worth, yeah, he rebounded really well. He has no touch. He missed a ton of easy bunnies. There's like a consecutive like three offensive rebound, three – one foot miss layup sequence yeah. that um, put some doubt in my head that exchange because that was late in the game and they needed a basket right but he got the game winning dunk off a pass from ethan thompson it was wide open with four seconds left i, I saw a quote from uh, wayne tinkle who said uh he saw that they saw when ethan thompson had the ball coming up the court that they decided not to make the timeout and still let make uh let thompson make the play he made the right one and dropped it off for the easy dunk for the win the, i mean first or closest to a buzzer beater they've had. And they've obviously been in a lot of close games this season. And it's great. And I don't know that. Yeah. uh, He saw something that kept him from calling it. But like, cause like you said, he just trusted Ethan Thompson in that moment, which was fair the way he 15 points in the second half, I think four assists. Right. He was, he was going off. Ethan was having a great game. Um, I thought Gianni played well too. I don't know. At the end of the game, you saw Gianni hunt Luke, Gianni Hunt, Lucas, Thompson, Reichel, Alatiche, and Andela is kind of like the squad of six people that were rotating in and out. But we should do a second and do a Silva segment because this is probably going to be the highlight of Roman Silva's Oregon State career. Right? I hope so because I don't know that I can go through him playing that many important minutes in a game like that again this season. Yeah, with about with about four minutes left to go, uh, Silva got put in the game. The game was starting. Arizona had taken the lead. Uh, they had 
game felt like it was starting to slip away from the Beavers potentially. And Silva responded with five straight points, which to like outside observers may not sound like a lot. But if you watch Oregon State basketball and you know who Roman Silva is, you understand that five straight points during a clutch series of plays at the end of a game is unheard of. Any important basket he gives feels like four points instead of <laughs> obviously he's not going to make a three. But yeah, he and he had a tip in which was very circumstantial in the first right. he just nice job of having your hands up. Right. I we're not bashing anybody, Coach Tinkle. We're bashing you for playing as many minutes as you have this season. That's that's what you asked for. But yeah, for him to he we we should say he only came back in because Andela got hurt. Right. Uh, yeah, he Andela was hurt and hit his foot on someone's leg or something like that and had to come out for a quick second. And you got really worried because it was like, oh, that's when it really felt like it was going to slip away. But he just he really stepped up, and that was great to see. That's why you love college basketball because you don't know who these random people are who are just going to step up and make a play. Four of four from the field, one of two from the line. He One of his, his scores was blocked, and it was a questionable goaltend. Nah, that hook shot was going in. It was so flat. <laughs> yeah, it was on the way down. It just like the fact that a guy that much shorter than him could go up and really swat the the shit out, threw it out the building. Uh, was discouraged because it happened in the Arizona game a couple of times. Yeah, so, I mean, I I asked in our group chat, is this the Silva game? I don't know if you want to call it that. I'm going to remember it as such. It's the Silva segment for sure. The Silva shift, yeah. The Silva shift, yeah, that's a good, that's the good one. Um, I guess just one last, it's kind of random uh, thing to point out that I really enjoyed from this game was uh, Mike Montgomery, who is uh, former basketball coach, NBA coach, college coach, really successful. He was calling the game, and uh, Kalu took the ball coast to coast, and Mike Montgomery said, oh, this isn't going to work out, and – Clue dropped off like a spin move into like a really nice little drop off pass <clears throat> to De'Aaron Tucker for a layup. And everyone was so shocked. And it was kind of funny. It was just like a nice moment to see like Montgomery kind of laugh out loud <laughs> on air for being wrong. And, you know, nice moment. Kalu was, yeah, an NBA draft prospect for a solid six seconds in succession last night when he did. <laughs> he had. I think two points, three rebounds and three assists, which is pretty mediocre, but it, it all happened within like four minutes of each other. Yeah. He was looking pretty slow out there. I don't know what the deal was. Maybe he's still kind of coming, working himself back from the COVID pause, but he didn't look quite as spring as he normally does. Um, do you have anything you want to add from it? Or I was just going to close out with it. Nick Dashiell's uh, headline for, for that game. The only other lasting memory I'll have is that Lucas got free for an open look at a three at one point, and Bobby Hurley gave like a gyration. That oh, I, yeah. I thought he was going to have a full-on stroke for just a second. He called a timeout, and or actually it was great. Wayne Tinkle called the timeout before they inbounded it, mm -hmm. and it looked like he knew I should stop the game now, so he'll go ballistic on his guy. <laughs> it was, it was well played. Yeah, are you talking about the one where they swung it to Lucas and he was wide open on the corner and Bobby Hurley was the closest person next to him and he was just yes. screaming and pointing at him over and over again? I, I know that it, he like stopped himself from physically grabbing and fouling Jared Lucas and being like, that's how you shut down a shooter to his bed. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely, it definitely crossed his mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. I do remember that play too. 
Um, so this was Nick Dashell's headline for the win over Oregon State, just to highlight the Beaver bias in media and kind of say, Nick, what's going on, dude? Like, where's where's the love? Oregon State's 80-79 to win over Arizona State is as timely as they come following a horrific loss and a brutal upcoming schedule. So not a lot of love from Nick there. No, yeah, he doesn't really take a lot of time to acknowledge that Arizona State is supposed to be a pretty good team. And granted, their NCAA hopes are slowly slipping away. <laughs> I think they're in trouble. I think that they were probably a little bit overrated and with having to deal with extra challenges, both COVID-related and not there. Right. Falling back towards the bottom half. Um, all right, so upcoming games this week. Oregon State's going to play uh, USC. There, it's at Oregon State. That game's at four o'clock on Tuesday on ESPN two. Stepping it up to the big leagues, you. and then we follow that with a game against a uh, scheduled game against the Ducks on Saturday at seven thirty. Hopefully that will be played. Oregon was in their own kind of COVID pause. They didn't play um, the Arizona schools this week. Yeah, so the, they, the Beavers have the chance to catch the Ducks at the best possible time in other words yeah hopefully so what i don't know what do you want to make some quick predictions as we go out or things to look for yeah well so what i'll say about usc is unfortunately who they um compare most accurately to to me is arizona yeah and uh i i'm sure the beavers will handle it all better uh it's huge to have an espn2 audience it's even huger that it's at 4 p.m. Pacific, which means that we're getting primetime East Coast. So mm-hmm. shout-outs to Xavier, who who may or may not still listen to this, but he can watch uh, his former future squad without having to stay up late. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can look forward to that. I think it's going to be a tough game. I'm curious to see if the Beavers can keep the momentum going. USC does profile similar to Arizona in that they have a bunch of stud 6'10", 6'11", athletes who are going to live at the rim. They've got a potential top three pick on their team uh, in the NBA draft. I don't know. It's going to be tough going, I think. But I don't want to put it out of reach for the Beavers either. I think that uh, the fact that USC beat Arizona can only benefit the Beavers because I don't know Andy Enfield, but um, I'm sure his guys are going to be tempted to be a little bit relaxed. about Definitely. And in my mind... Andy Enfield's kind of a roll the balls out and let him play type of coach. So you combine that with kind of like a lethargic, laissez-faire attitude, and then maybe Oregon State sneaks one in. Jared Lucas gets hot. I don't. I think we can't uh, downplay that Jared Lucas last year in an interview said he came to Oregon State because USC and UCLA didn't offer him a scholarship. So this is a spike game, potential Jared Lucas spike game to see if he can build off his first career start. And he's balling right now. He is. He's on a hot streak. He really is. So as far as prediction, um, I'll I'll say that the Beavers lose 71 to 60. Yeah, 71 to 60. That sounds probably around my range, too. I'm probably going to give it like a 62, 64 to 73, 76. Um, I'll keep it, keep it in the 10, 9 points band. I think it'll be a little bit further game than that, but I think Oregon State will score some buckets at the end to make it slightly more respectable. Uh, going against U of O, like you said, they're in the COVID pause right now. U of O is looking nice this year. They're looking pretty nasty. They're number 22 in the country currently with the AP poll. Do you think Oregon State has a chance with them? It's in Eugene. I do. Um, 
teams that have had to miss time because of COVID protocol have looked bad in general, not as bad as the Beavers did, obviously, but most have right. struggled in that first game back. Uh, Oregon's front line is more athletic than the Beavers. It's more talented, but it's not what Arizona or USC's is. Uh, Duarte is is going to go off, likely. It's Yeah, they're similar kind of to Arizona State in my mind in that they're a more guard-heavy team. They do have good athletes in their front court, but they're not super tall. They're like in that 6'7", 6'8", kind of range. It's not like Arizona where you have the Giants that Beavers struggle with. I think Wayne does tend to play the Ducks really well. I don't know if we're going to get it out. I think that's the game. I think they have a better chance of beating U of O than they do of beating USC. So yeah. if there's going to be a game to win this week, it's going to be U of O. Yeah, and I'll I'll predict a win. I'll say that the Beavers uh, make a statement once they get over the aesthetic awfulness that is that court and get past that distraction. That they'll they'll shoot the ball well. Gianni Hunt is going to come to play. Again. He always does. I love Gianni. Gianni's always there for the moment. He always brings a lot of energy. I I love him as a six man. Um, he and Reichel, the two lefties, will, will each hit multiple threes, and the Beavers will win that by double digits. Yeah, and this is a big, this is a big game for Ken Palm standings because right now USC is 19th in the country and U of O is 20th according to Ken Palm. Yeah, they the B. I think the Ken Palms were getting to that time of year where they're starting to get more and more legitimate. Okay, well, I'm glad you said that because I I uh, prepared a quick Ken Palm pondering for us. So, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So the last time we checked in in was back in 2020, way back in that crappy year. And the Beavers were currently sitting at 134 in the country. Do you think we've gotten better or worse, according to Ken Palm? I will say, and I'm, I'm trying to think of what games have been played since then. I'll bet, is it a little bit worse it is worse. We're now 153rd in the country. Wow, that is not a little bit. That's a good 19, 20 spots. Do you think there are any Pac-12 teams that are ranked worse than Oregon State now? I I would be very upset if Washington wasn't ranked worse. You're going to be very upset. Washington is 144. Cal is 145. Those are the two closest to Oregon State. Well, that's a crime. First of all, the Beavers are 2-0 and against Cal, and Washington is atrocious. Yeah, I don't know how Washington got that high because they are, they are terrible. They had a close game against UCLA that they almost won, or at least kept it within six. But yeah, they are terrible. They, they're using walk-ons, and it's not like they lost a ton that they thought they were going to have. They were supposed to be bad this year. Yeah, I mean, your team's built around a, a point guard who got kicked off Kentucky for being bad, so you're not going to be good. Washington, for the Pac-12 standings right now, Washington is 12, Cal is uh, 10, Arizona State is 11, Oregon State is 7th, um, right, teetering on that edge. Who are who are who else are they ahead of? Uh, Utah? Yeah, ahead of Utah, Washington State. Yep, Utah, Washington State, Cal, Arizona State, and Washington, all below the Beavs. Seventh oh. probably were seventh is a good spot to hold on. I don't know if we can jump any of the teams in front of us. We're we're still in range for your famous uh, sixth place prediction. It's not off the table. It's getting better every. That I'm looking smarter every day. That um, was a must win Saturday. Yeah, that was a must win. So I guess just we'll do a quick quick Ken Palm thing. Do you think? 
I always like to check in on Yale basketball. Do you think Yale is still ranked higher than the Beavers, having not played a single game this year? Yeah, I do. I bet they have a higher ranking. Oh, they definitely do. They're 103 in the country. Man, every time we do this, I'm like ready to see like these Ken Palm rankings are really representative. And each time they aren't still. This is so frustrating. Before you say that, though, who do you think has a better ranking, Kent, Kansas State or Oregon State? Uh, the Beavers are going to be ahead of uh, Bruce Weber and, and old Kansas State. We are. We're 153. They're 155. So, you know, maybe it's a, it's a representative in that way. I agree with that ranking. You know, it's just how you look at it. I can't say that I have watched Kansas State play much this year, but somebody like a directional school blasted them early. <laughs> so they're having their own problems. Colorado destroyed them earlier this year. Um, South Florida. Do you think the Beavers are better or worse than South Florida? I I'm gonna I'm gonna take a leap here and say that they're better than South Florida. No, they're worse than South Florida. South Florida is the hundredth team in the country. That's our goal now. South Florida is the school we gotta keep an eye on because, like we said before, our goal is for the Beavers to just be recognized as a top hundred school in the country. That's that's the promise for this season. I mean, that's not the actual promise for this season. The promise is we won't get last, but. Right. With the promise of the season is can we get to the top 100? If we get six in the Pac-12, we're a top 100 team. There's no way that, yeah, both of those things can't be true together. That's, yeah. So that's your Ken Palm ponderings. Um, do you have any shout-outs on the way out? I do. I, I, I have two shout-outs this week. The first one is uh, to a man who's a legend in Northwest basketball, Mr. Dan Dickow. A legend. A legend. Uh, on the, the Peyton Years Twitter, you can follow us at Years Peyton before the game. I sent him a message saying that the, the Beaverheads want another Adam Mastin reference. He kind of inexplicably referenced Adam Mastin, who, if you somehow forgot, if you've been living under a rock, he played uh, for Eddie Payne and Richie McKay in the late 90s and early 2000s. One of those like big local recruits that was a little overhyped, really good, definitely not good enough to change the fortune of a struggling program <laughs> I, I we all were shocked that he would pull that one um and and he said he'd do it again and he did around the 18 minute mark of the second half uh and he was chided by his play-by-play guy for and he said he, he wanted to come on the podcast so please do that dan <laughs> yeah, please do. and uh, the other one is is ashton who you can follow on twitter at Lil underscore butts, I believe, with one T. Uh, she's awesome. She gave us some love after the win last night, tagged us, and 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 we got some some follows and stuff from that. And so thank you, Ashton. We'd love to have you on soon as well. Hell yeah. Fighting the beaver bias together, joining forces with other beaver podcasts and beaver uh building the beaver community. Yeah, she. Uh, we talked on Twitter just a second, and she said that it's too painful to watch all the time. Really what Seth said, that that's why we're important, is because you can stay connected without putting yourself through it the way that we have. We are the human shield for your eye. We do it for you. And the least you could do for us is give us a review, give us a rating. That's my shout-out. Anyone who's ever even thought about giving us a review or a rating, please do it. It makes the world go round, some five stars, or tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. doesn't matter. Put some words in that little box and hit send. We'll come up with a, a reward system, yeah, for five-star reviews. 
yeah, we'll we'll come up with a definite reward system. Positive behavior will be rewarded. Um, all right, well, that's the Peyton years. We will see you next week. And as always, fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. <laughs>